When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Are you ready for season three of Discography? We're jumping into the deep end of The Who. Not only will we go through every Studio Who album in great detail, but their story is often told between albums, so we'll be touching on non-album singles, the solo works of Keith Moon, John Entwistle, Roger Daltrey, and Pete Townsend, and some of the events that would make a record begin as a concept and land as something that would universally change the world. Discography returns to Consequence Podcast Network in January of 2019. Until then, be lucky. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, take a second before we get started to uh, hit the subscribe button. We put out uh, multiple interviews every week, uh, one on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at Consequence of Sound, and would love to keep you up to date. You can subscribe anywhere, such as Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or YouTube. Really, wherever you're listening from, there is a subscribe button. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is Beirut, who just released their latest record, Gallipoli. I spoke with Zach about the sense of place and geography that he's written with over the years, and specifically this album, which was itself written and recorded in Italy, New York, and Germany. Speaking of Germany, Zach recently moved to Berlin. We talk about why and how that's affected his writing, uh, running into Bob Mould and some of the other expats while he's in town, and how the city's experimental and atonal music scene influenced this record as well. There's also some Game of Thrones talk about how that relates to the uh, video for the single Landslide, how Indiana Jones and Tintin even influenced his early desire to travel and have a love for language, and how a cathartic image of the end got the whole thing started. It's Kyle Meredith with Beirut. Has Sense of Place always been such a big part of your songwriting? Because when I think back to even recent songs like Santa Fe, there, there's always a sort of, and this one seems so rooted in in geography. Yeah, you know, I always just associate it with, um, with kind of an escapism thing. I think as a teenager, I, I had this idea of kind of like missing out on the rest of the world or something. Um, 
growing up in a small town. Mexico is quite isolated as well. And, you know, my first job being in this kind of foreign film movie theater, I, I don't know, I, I wanted the world, so to speak. But in a lot of ways, I think maybe uh, I'm often poking fun at myself, actually, being absurd. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, like I said, the music to me is, is a form of escapism. Uh, as a teenager, that was super important. And, you know, into even Santa Fe, for example, was almost making fun of myself to go back, right? And in this record, there is a lot of kind of going back sonically as well. And so I thought, why not just wrap up the whole package the way it used to be? It fits well, makes sense to me. You talk about those teenage years. I was reading an interview recently, and you kind of mentioned there were some hit points for me because you said you're an Indiana Jones fan. and <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if that was just an off-the-cuff remark or an, or an actually big direction. So so I'm coming clean here. I'm a big nerd about both of those, Indiana Jones and Tintin. Yeah. I uh, I think Indiana Jones was probably one of my favorite, you know, favorite kind of series films, whatever you would call it, trilogy, when I was a kid. Probably liked it too much or something. But yeah, Tintin, that was how I learned, to, that was how I started to learn to speak French, for example. Yeah, of course, I was obsessed as well. Yeah. And that's what I get when I get into this record. It's that it's that sort of still sense of adventure that I get from both of those, from when I listen to those. I mean, I learned about a lot of things, like um, like I'd never heard of, I don't know if I'm saying this, Manau Island? Manau Island. Manau Island. What was it about that that actually inspired you to uh, pull the title into a song? Well, you know, I was actually looking for album artwork for the record before I ended up working with my cousin. And I found that was a postcard I actually found in a flea market in Berlin, which is also kind of a typical story for my song titles and albums and stuff like that. And uh, this postcard was so out of place because the image on it is this, it's, it's actually what you see on the back cover of the record. And it's so out of place because you look at these mountains in the distance beyond this lake and they look kind of, you know, alpine. But then you see the gardens on the island, and they look quite subtropical or something. And I just thought, well, that's an interesting place to be. And then I looked it up, and it made even more sense. It's this, again, it's literally this little garden island on the Bodensee between uh, Germany and Switzerland. <clears throat> and it, it, it is exactly that. It's like this out-of-place garden island where the weather is just right in the middle of these Germanic countries for this kind of garden to flower. And I just found it so fitting. I haven't actually been there, though. It's such a small population, but I, I can't live there, and it seems to be its its biggest claim to fame. Pretty interesting story, really, yeah. Some sort of exile, it seems like. You exiled into the garden. I mean, could be worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Berlin is the other part that seems to be the other big part of this story here. What pulled you to Berlin? And, and, and I'll say that I just recently talked to Bob Mould as well, so this seems to be uh, in the air. Yeah, it is. Um you know, New York is turning into Disneyland. Um, <laughs> that's not the reason I moved at all. Um, I was feeling kind of lost and disaffected here in the States for sure. And obviously I've been drawn to Europe for a long time and for many reasons. And I've gotten to live there throughout the years. Something kind of happened. You know, one of the main reasons I went there is my cousin lives there. And, and we've been super close ever since I met him in Amsterdam when I was 19. And... I started going more often, we started hanging out more often, and something clicked in Berlin, and there was this, to me, there was, I mean, A, the quality of life on a day-to-day -day basis is very different 
from what I was used to. It's, it's very calm. It doesn't impose a kind of lifestyle on you. You can kind of pick and choose as you see fit. But then as far as the art scene, there's this whole idea. The work I was seeing being created there was really genuine and really uninterested in, you know, any sort of monetary or power influences. I mean, people are doing the work for the work there, essentially is what it comes down to, experimenting, creating. Yeah, there's no sense of kind of like climbing the ladder. It's, it's really just what you're interested in, put everything into it. And the music scene is, you say, kind of rubbed off on you as well. You were talking about experimental and uh, atonal music. How does that work its way into the music? You know, it's it's funny because in my mind, I was pulling out these kind of atonal things and, and working in realms that are not comfortable or I haven't done before. But simultaneously, um, it still ends up coming out the way it comes out when I kind of put pen to paper, so to speak. But, you know, there there is a lot of kind of analog and modular synthesizers that I, I was working with a lot of detunings and pitch bendings to kind of bring out weird harmonics. And they're almost things that are so subtle you might not notice unless you're listening pretty closely. But, you know, the, those brought me a lot of joy. So, Did you ever run into, I mean, this is one of those questions, Berlin's a big city, but did you ever run into Bob Mould? Because you hear about the expats over there and you think that there's got to be some sense of community there. Oh, yeah, there is. Um, you know, there's, there's a kind of there's a neighborhood where a lot of these people are, and, and they, we tend to kind of somewhat share share a circle. Yeah, it's him and, and Tim Gain from Stereolab and, and, and people like that that are all kind of in the same area around where my cousin lives and around where Jan from Mouse on Mars lives. And, um, and that's, that's kind of a circle that I kind of dip in and out of. Obviously, it's a different generation, but it's one I really look up to. So yeah. You hear about these moments in history with expats always become so romanticized in stories, Tangier and, and Paris and whatnot. Yeah, it, it really has. Um, we'll write about you someday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to compliment the, uh, the video to Landslide. I have probably watched more than any other video that one recently. I mean, it's um, our nights, our, our hero uh, failure <laughs> or whatever. The sadness in his eyes is it's one of those moments where I know, I mean, Sometimes the video, the treatment is just handed off to someone else and, and kind of put together. But but for you, does it work with what's going on with what you're personally singing about? Yeah, I, you know, with videos, well, with this record in particular, I was extremely particular about every single element. So I'm talking album artwork. I was sitting with my cousin the whole time as we made it. Um, and with the video, I mean, it even went as far as like the T-shirts that we're going to be like bringing on tour for merch. I spent hours with, you know, denying things and accepting things. Uh, and so this one was by far and far. And, yeah, it was really the best treatment I had seen. I mean, what caught me is the first thing the guy wrote in the treatment was I want it to look like El Topo, which is the Jodorowsky film, okay. the Western uh-huh kind of spaghetti western and and that to me was a kind of element in the songs you know not only being in italy but just being like a huge ennio morricone and nino rota fan and then he obviously displaced it with the knights in there yeah the landslide back home you know it'd be hard to tie in at this hour of the day exactly how it works forgive me i'm a little fatigued having come in from berlin and, and running from rehearsals but um but it, yeah it was definitely a good fit and, and we talked back and forth while he was in Kazakhstan filming and uh, made adjustments and things that made sense. So. 
on the lighter side, the the actor himself was is Game of Thrones. I know. I know. My, my my wife is an enormous Game of Thrones fan. It's on my peripheral, but uh, but people can be pretty passionate about it. I I love the show. I'm you know I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's it's quite quite good fun actually. I was excited about that. Also, this isn't really a question, but a compliment. The Gauze for Zach song. It's got that windows down feel, sort of separates it from the other parts of the album. D- does it feel different to you in that way? Yeah, no, I like the idea of the windows down cruising. Yeah. <laughs> that song was a, was, a, was a pleasure to write. That, hence the title. It's not German or something. It's, it's literally just Gauze for Zaz and Gauze for Zach. I mean, it was like a, like a bandage in a rough time, like just a... It was such a pleasure to write. It was so relaxed, so spontaneous. So, yeah, I don't know. It does feel very different to me. And on top of that, the the record, the way it starts with When I Die, I mean, what a way to start a party. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the first song you wrote, right? It, it's not just the first song on the record, but that's what kicked it all off. Yeah, first song written, first song recorded, everything. First song I wrote the lyrics for. I think at the time, you know, I was... I was leaving New York. I had already made the plans, found an apartment, that sort of thing, and uh, we were doing a session in Chelsea here in Manhattan. And the lyrics were kind of alluding to this, you know, this kind of, what's the worst that could happen? I'll I'll die. And that's it. (laughs) I wrote that down. A cathartic image of the end. Mm -hmm. Catharsism uh, with death. I mean, no, I I can't uh, compliment this record enough. You know, you, you talked about how it all comes around because bringing the organ back, and I know that's a big part of it as well. I don't know, it always seems like it's sort of a tightrope for an artist in these moments to um, to not be overly nostalgic about something while still you know, going forward. Was the challenge there for that? I mean, it almost sounds like it all happened naturally. Yeah, that was the idea. It was to happen naturally. You know, with the last record, I, I had a lot of struggles. I had a lot of kind of writer's block and, and doubts about my abilities and all sorts of things. And when I got out of the studio from that one, it was like the spark was reignited. And I realized that one of the rough things I was doing was I was trying to force my music into new directions. And I'm happy I did because it taught me so much. But with this record, it was like I allowed myself completely to just write the most Zach album, the most Beirut album I could with like no limits. Just, yeah, throw the city names on all the song titles, play all the old instruments and just be free with it. Because I realized that, you know what, there is a very unique sound to the band and and you're certainly not hearing much of it, you know, nowadays. And I like that. And I like like holding this space in between all the sounds going on nowadays that just isn't there as much. And that was such a pleasure to kind of realize and just go for without any sort of shame or kind of self-consciousness. Well, what you do is so unique and stands on its own. There's not another band that sounds like Beirut out there. Thank you. Uh, Gallipoli is beautiful. Uh, Zach, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. And a big old thanks to Zach from Beirut. Again, the uh, latest record is called Gallipoli. And please, if you haven't so far, hit that subscribe button. You made it all the way to the end. You might as well. Uh, You can subscribe at Spotify, at YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Acast, Podchaser, wherever you get your podcasts from. After that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series. Consequenceofsound.net for all your music and film news needs. You can find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. 
does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.